This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. We can have some fun in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. So if you didn't know, we're in a series called Things Jesus Never Said. And I want to simply welcome all of you once again to our service today. I want to welcome those that are online within uh, our online church today. One of my most favorite things, of course, to do as a pastor is you get to meet new people all the time. And one of the best places to meet new people is, of course, at the local marketplace, also known as Walmart. (laughs) And so I had met a guy um, somewhere around town, and I can't exactly remember where, but he remembered who I was. And so he comes up to me and he's like, hey, preacher, preacher. Uh, That's what he called me. Uh, Not one preacher, but I was two preachers. Preacher, preacher. Okay, preacher, preacher. Uh, and, And he just comes up to me and he's like, Preacher, preacher, I, I liked you. I like, I like, I like the things that we talked about. But it's like, um, it's like, you know, I just don't really want to hear about the Jesus stuff. It's like, okay, fair enough. I, I won't talk to you right now about the Jesus stuff. And it's like, I'm just curious why you don't want the Jesus stuff. And he says, Well, I tried Jesus. I was like, Really? And so he was like, Well, you know, it just it didn't work out. Uh, when I tried Jesus, my girlfriend left me. Uh, my plumbing backed up. Um, I lost my car and uh, my taxes were due and I had no money to pay my taxes. And so I I quit trying Jesus. (laughs) And so uh, I said, okay, uh, fair enough. I said, it sounds like you had a really bad country song go on with Jesus in your life at that period of time. So how many of you have ever talked to someone in your life and they're like, I'm not so sure about the whole Jesus thing. Raise your hand this morning. Amen. Okay. So anyway, this message today, I think hopefully might help bring some light uh, to some of the things that we face in life. Uh, And it's dedicated to any one of you who feel like you're trying to do life without the Jesus stuff. But yet life is not really going in the way that you want it to go or expect. And so we're in this message series, of course, about things that Jesus would never say. But sometimes people put in his mouth. (laughs) And so it's because of what Jesus said that to me, everything that he he spoke of and how he lived his life, it's so much different than even how we live our lives today. He's so powerful. He's so profound. And honestly, uh, what I want to look at today is we're talking about troubles in life. Okay. So things that Jesus never said, because I do this every week in this series, some of the things I've heard. Whoever does the will of my father will always get the best parking spots. Jesus never said ever. Okay. If you lose your life for the sake of mine, you'll always look great in a swimsuit. Jesus never said that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and you'll never get a zit before your prom. Jesus never said that, kids. All right. Jesus never promised some of the health, wealth, and prosperity that sometimes we so much hear about within our modern world today. 
He never promised that you would always have money in your bank account. He never promised that you would be so wealthy that you could buy your own country. He never said that you would have your own jet plane to jet you from one place to the next. He never said that you would have the perfect body type and always be the thin, perfect, muscular, whatever it is that you feel is the right body type. Jesus never said that. I should get some amens in the house for some of that. Amen. Jesus never said that you would get to keep your hair. Jesus never said that you would get to be turned down for a date, especially before prom for those of you that are younger. Jesus never said that you would never have a headache. Jesus never said these things. What did Jesus say? Let's turn to the scriptures today. Can we do that? I want to look at John chapter 16 today, and we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 22. It's kind of some of the meat of the, the passage today. So this is what Jesus said. This is in letters in red. If you have Bibles in letters in red, let's stand for the reading of the word today as well. It says this, it says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Let's bow our heads today for the receiving of God's word today. Dear Jesus, we just simply ask for your blessings to be with us here today as we dive into the word of God. We ask that it be the sustenance, Lord, that helps carry us through whatever's going on within our lives. And Father, we just ask that you uh, help us to uh, understand this maybe in a new way today. I just pray for your uh, words, Lord, to be imparted into my mind and my thoughts, Lord, and help the things that I say be the things that you would will me to speak about within this word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated today. So in, in this, in the longer uh, context of this passage in John 16, Jesus uses the word world. 19 times in his upcoming prayer. He says things like this, Peace I give to you, but I do not give it as the world gives. He says things like, I came from the Father to the world, but I'm also leaving the world going to the Father. And he says things like this, If the world hates you, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, you love it as your own. Do not. Because you have been chosen to come out of the world. This is why the world hates you. And so he has this word that he uses several times within the longer context. So when we land in verse 20, of course, if you could bring up verse 20 again, it says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while what rejoices? Whoa, whoa, okay. What? What rejoices? Say it a little bit louder. I didn't hear you. What was it again? The world. While the world rejoices. And it says you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I don't know about you, but for those that are parents, especially the moms. I mean, we got any moms in the house today? Okay, you'll know. So 
having a child was the most pain-free experience you ever had in your life, right? I got a lot of chuckles in the room. But having a child was probably the easiest thing you've ever done, right? I mean, it was a breeze. It was just that easy, right? That's what I was waiting on. So, you know, when it came time for, you know, me and Ashley, we had the, the kids, you know, with Lily, we, we always chose that Ashley would get the epidural, <laughs> which helps with all of that. However, getting it is not as easy as what you think when the needle's like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and she did that to help ease the pain. And one of the pains of being, you know, pain-free is going through that shock process. Kind of like the COVID did. You had to get a shot to get away from COVID, but getting a shot, it's going to hurt. <laughs> okay? Kind of one of those situations. Um, and in the process of all that, she gets the epidural and everything's going and da-da-da-da. And then you finally get to that moment where the doctor says, okay, we're going to take her back. And it's going to be time to have the baby, okay? So Ashley, she, um, with both of the kids, had to have a C-section, which is a whole different ball game of something. Like, it's beautiful and, and painful, and it's, I, it's disturbing all at the same time, <laughs> from my vantage point. Because they gave me this little chair, and they let me sit there, and you can see the whole, just the whole thing, basically, almost going on. Uh, so I'm crying for many different reasons. Uh, I'm crying because I think that's painful. I'm crying because I can't believe I'm watching this. And then I'm crying because here's my beautiful baby girl. So many different things going on with that. And then, of course, we have Ashley who's like, I can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> and so it is with the pains of childbirth. Jesus says this in verse 22. He says, but so with you, he says, now is your time. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. He also says this in verse 33 in the same chapter, if we could get to that. John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in who? In who? In who? In me. Meaning Jesus, that you may have peace. Because in this world, pay attention, church, and in this world, Jesus Christ Himself said, You will have trouble. And then He said this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Give God praise for that. Give God praise for that. If you came in the house of God discouraged today, I want you to be encouraged because Jesus is over this world. Here's what we know about this world, though. We know that pain is a promise. Amen? We know that struggle is certain. How many of you have struggles in your life? There's some people, yeah, man, I want to know your secret. You get with me after church and you tell me what your secret is. How many of you have suffering in your life as well? Yeah. Pain's a promise. 
Struggle is certain. And suffering in this world, it's inevitable at some point. Some of you might be in the middle of a very difficult season. You might be feeling left out for one reason or the other. You might be feeling overlooked within your job. You might be feeling rejected because someone rejected you along the way in life. You might be feeling all alone wherever you're at. Maybe you've lost your confidence. Maybe you're battling depression. Maybe you're just dealing with anxiety all of the time within your life. You're blown with bad news. You're blown with financial struggles, health challenges, relationships that just seem to be crushed and shambled. And sometimes you get all of that at once. The pressure of that can feel completely unbearable. And sometimes it's honestly almost, we feel like it's more than what we can bear within one season and within one moment that's humanly possible. And we, we end up feeling afraid. We feel very hurt. We feel completely overwhelmed. And we can get to the point where we feel like there is no one in life who understands what I am going through. And often in these moments and within this time, we begin to think about this question. Because as I talked about within the prayer, the enemy is always so close within these moments. He's ready to move in. He's ready to swoop in. And he's ready to pick you out like a vulture does its prey. And it's in these moments when we have to put ourselves on guard. But in these moments, I know, humanly speaking... I've asked this question at points in my life. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God when I'm going through the middle of a divorce? Where is God when I'm going through my hardships and my suffering? Where is God when I need Him the most? Troubles, trials, and hardships. And some of you today feel like you're doing, much like the guy I talked about, you might be doing the Jesus thing. But yet, in your moment of surrender to Him, there's more pain and suffering and sorrow and troubles going on within your life than maybe you felt even before you made a commitment or had a relationship with Jesus. And I know people that have tried Jesus and they quit trying Jesus. <sighs> But here's the thing, they still have the same troubles and the same problems and the same situations. If pain is a promise, there has to be some type of purpose, I believe, behind what God would allow his children, who he loves so much. And, and honestly, that's what I want to talk to you about today. There's two of the blessings that we actually experience in trouble and hardship. So don't, don't hit me with tomatoes, okay? But these are things that I found that I believe God can help work through within troubles and hardship. Really, the first one is this, if you're, if you're taking notes. Trouble and hardship, what they do is they prove your faith. Can I get an amen for that in the house today? Amen. Troubles and hardships proves your faith and it reveals the depth of your faith. And it reveals the fact that your faith is placed not 
in your troubles and situations, but it's placed in the one who has the power to do something about it in this life. That's what it does. In fact, in Peter's epistle, he is writing to a group of extremely persecuted Jesus followers. Um, and so around the years 60 to 65 um, AD, of course, the evil emperor Nero, and you guys done your history books know about who Nero is, okay? Like there's Nero and then there's Hitler. So he's kind of in like that gallery of kind of people, okay? But he was persecuting Jesus followers um, in many of the ways that just honestly are difficult to sometimes wrap my mind around and even to talk about. But one of the things that he would do is he would take the animal skins off of dead animals and he would skin the animal and then he would put that skin around the body of a Christian and he would sew them into that skin and then he would release wild dogs to begin to attack them. And he would watch and cheer them on while this brutal act was committed. And if that's not crazy enough for you, sometimes we like the crazy. We have to be the right kind of crazy. He would throw these wild parties at his palace and he would pour hot live wax onto Christians that were alive while they were screaming in pain. He would then tie them to trees and then light them on fire, making them human candles as he was entertaining his guests the music that played in the background. That, my friends, is true persecution. But here's the thing. Um, can I get Peter 1.6 up on the screen? In that context that I just told you, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I believe the Apostle Peter, he wrote these words in 1 Peter 1.6. In all this, in all of that, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You see, what the Apostle Peter knew is that there was faith that was taking root within this movement of Christianity. I don't know about you, but I know for me how difficult that would be just saying that you were a Christian considering that you could end up in either one of those scenarios or something even worse. Those are some of the more probably PG-rated things that I could even talk to you about that was the kind of persecution going on in Rome at this time with those who proclaimed and affirmed the name of Jesus within their life. And this kind of faith sets the roots that we need to have as believers. As a pastor, one of the things that I fear most within the culture today and with even in, in this part of the world is that I'm afraid that there are people that have what I call a counterfeit faith. They have a faith that looks good on the outside, but it has no roots going down into who Jesus is and drawing upon his character and his love and grace to help show us how to live our lives in such a way to where 
we would be one of those people picked for something such as that kind of persecution. And so a genuine faith to me is living that life knowing no matter what the consequences are. A counterfeit faith is saying, I'm going to pretend to be what I need to be, but deep down, I don't know if I'm ready to go and face anything like that. I mean, you know, I, I could probably believe in something else. You see, your faith has a lot to do with the battles that you face. You know, it's kind of like this. I know people just will do strange confessions to me because they're here. I'm a, I'm a pastor. So like you, like you go out and you eat something and then, oh, I heard you're a pastor in town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't been to church in a long time. Like, I don't even ask them. They just say this stuff. Okay. Oh, well, you should come to church sometime. Oh, oh I, well, you know, I told you it's been some time. It's really been about six months. Okay, that's great. Well, I just, it, it's really been about, well, it's been about a year. Um, and then they begin to tell you about all their drug problems and the meth problems and, and how they almost killed themselves by, by making a meth factory in their house or something like that. It's just these deep confessions that just come out and all I really want is my chicken sandwich and my water. Okay, that's really all I want at that time. Uh, but it's just strange how sometimes people will just confess these things to you. Uh, and so for me, what I always have to do is be able to help point people in the direction of the Lord. And how do we do that? We have to understand a few things about how we do that. Because first we have to understand what Jesus says about that. Jesus at one point told a parable about a sower and a seed that was sowed. And sometimes those seeds, they fall into thorny ground, which can represent basically the choking out of our life by our worries and our cares. And then sometimes they fall on the shallow ground, which is our trouble or maybe even persecuted life. Sometimes when we get problems in our lives, we begin to think that God doesn't care about us. That when we get the headaches and the migraines, that God doesn't love me anymore. If I get rejected from uh, this application for this school or for this job position, well, then God can't be real. Then sometimes we begin to think the worst of things. When a loved one dies of cancer, we think that we can't trust God anymore. Can I tell you a story? It's not my story, but it's a story I've heard from one of my pastors. I think one of their first funerals that they did. They didn't know really what to say. Um, first funeral. And the, the member who died, it was someone very close within the, in their church congregation. They had lived a long, beautiful, fruitful life. But everyone was just so moved to tears and to grief. Okay, And he just said, I didn't know how to start the service. And he says, I prayed and prayed. And he says, I didn't know the words until I got up to the podium to speak. And he says, I didn't have this in my notes. He says, I just started as I always do on a Sunday morning. And I said these words. I said, God is good. And in church, how do we respond to that? All the time. And then he said, all the time. God is good. And he says, God began to work in that funeral in a way that began to take everyone within the grief and in the suffering and in the sorrow of that moment. And God began to encapsulate his power and glory within the entirety of that service. You see, 
a faith that's been tested. I want you to write this down. If you don't have anything to write it down, write this down. A faith that's been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Amen? Yeah. Amen. When people come to me and they ask me, well, how did you get through this? How do you work through that? It's because I know in many of my situations <laughs> that a faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. The hardest thing that I've ever been through in my life, losing Losing her parents is one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. Losing my grandparents is one of the hardest things I've ever went through in my life. All of those situations have been able to bring me in a closer and deeper proximity into the presence of who God is. The pain of those situations, and as deepful, and they're, they're painful, and I don't want to just like reminisce over it and give you a Sunday school answer um, for how that feels, but the pain of all of that brought me into a closer proximity into being into the presence of God. Because I believe that God wants to use our pain for His purposes. Amen? Amen. Because here's a news flash for you, church. Ease and comfort never make you strong. That's right. If I put a lazy boy recliner right here, I'm going to move the communion table, we're going to move that out, put a lazy boy right here, and I got myself as many bags of chips as I could, and since I'm not having sugar, all the Coke Zero, because it's zero sugar, all of that, and I just sat here Hour after hour, eating, munching, drinking, all of that. Would I be physically fit to probably do my job after a time of period of that? Yeah, no, you can say it out loud. Okay. Okay. No, of course not. It's like you. It's like saying, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get buff. I'm going to get, I'm going to. I'm going to be a beast. And then all you do is sit on the couch and eat chips and, and watch Netflix. Like, it doesn't happen that way. Okay? Um, ease and comfort never make you strong. Okay? I've given up sugar for Lent. I've been tested in so many ways, it's not even funny. You take your kids out for ice cream and see how you're tempted by the devil. <laughs> I know we did. We went yesterday. They're eating this yummy, delicious scoops cookie monster ice cream, which looked good. And it's like, man, I wish I could just have, but but I didn't. And, and why is that? Well, it's not so much a commitment to Lynn, it's because I make that commitment unto the Lord. And why is that? Because the pain makes you stronger. This is what it says in the Bible. Turn to James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, it says, and this is crazy, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm going to hide behind the pulpit again. This is, these, are, these are dangerous Bible verses to preach in this generation. And then it says this, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Woo! That's a sermon. That's a sermon in and of itself. 
Amen? Amen. So, if you don't see the point of being discouraged, overwhelmed, and afraid, could it be that maybe God's preparation in your life comes packaged as pain? You know, when I think of Bible stories it, uh, in the Bible, I think of like Joseph, who went through so much within his life. He saved the nation. He saved his family. But, but how did he do that? He had to go through pain and trials and suffering. He was rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was eventually falsely accused and thrown in jail. Does that sound like a good life to you? No. Let's think about David for a minute. David fought Goliath, who, by the way, was a pretty big guy. Which then prepared David to take on, listen, if you thought that was a rough cage match, would you like to go up against a lion and a bear in your life? No. no. Okay, that's some straight up MMA fighting there in the woods. What about Peter? He preached at Pentecost. But how could he even get to that point when he failed Jesus so many times? Lying to these little slave girls about knowing Jesus. Think about that. For some of you, I want to ask, how well do you deal with troubles, suffering, even criticism within your life? I want to say this. Compliments and praise are great, but compliments and praise never got me to this place that I have here today. And I want to give God praise for that. Compliments and praise, they don't prepare you for the trials that you have ahead. If your professors in college complimented everything you did, you would think that you're so great you don't even need to work hard. But that's not the point of it all. You're here where you're at here today because you've had to go through some process of pain and trials and suffering. And sometimes rejection prepares you better than preparation. <laughs> when I was told in my preaching classes that my preaching was not very captivating and very boring, guess what? I worked on that. <laughs> when I was told that I could, at the beginning of my courses, that I could never do this job, I had to begin to pray about that. God gave me a feeling of peace. And the reason He did that is because He called me into this position, He called me into ministry. He called me into being here with every single one of you today. That's what he called me into. And I'm privileged beyond words and belief because I love all of you so much. But yet, it's hard because in life, I was looked over many times because I was in preparation for this. I could have taken a different job, a higher position, higher wages, all of them. But that was not the will of what I felt God was calling me into. God was calling me into the ministry and into working for His kingdom. And through all of that, I had to understand that it's the trials that don't weaken your faith. It's the trials that help make you stronger. Kelly Clarkson has it right because what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. Amen. Amen. 
And so sometimes you have to tell yourself it's not pain. It's preparation. Give God praise. Remember that. It's not pain. It's preparation. You weren't turned down. You were toughened up. The offense, the thing that really hurt you the most was also the thing that helped purify your heart before the Lord. The loneliness that you have in your life is trying to teach you to trust God like never before. The betrayals that you've had in your life are expanding your capacity to love and forgive people. The setback that you may have had within your job is a setback for God to show up and to show off how His miraculous hand can work in your life. Give God praise for that. Because I promise you, there's purpose within your pain. If you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe, maybe you've not gone through enough trials or heartaches within your life, I don't know. Um, but Jesus, going back to what I originally said, He does contrast this world, this word, the world. Because in the world, the trust of getting through things is in the world. The only way you get through things in the world is by climbing the ladder, by making more money, by looking better than someone else, by achieving all of these unrealistic goals and basically selling your soul to the world for a better life. That's the world. And isn't it interesting that our Lord and Savior said that in this world, you will find what? Trouble. Say it out loud. In this world, you will have trouble. Isn't it interesting how he compared the world and what it centers itself around with trouble? And then in the next verse, this is what he says. And he says, in me. Jesus, I'm the Son of God. I'm the one who came down from heaven to take on your sins. I'm the one who cleanses you and purifies you and makes you righteous. I'm the one who is able to have you in right relationship with God. I'm the one who conquered the enemy. I'm the one who took on the devil. I'm the one who's risen and alive again. And I'm able to work in anything, in any situation. I don't care where you're at in your life. I'm... The Son of God who loves you so much to give you this life. He says, in me, in Christ, you will have peace. In the world, you have trouble. Jesus, you have true peace. 1 John 5, 4 says this. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Question mark. Only the one, listen to this, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Church, this morning, I don't know what struggles you might be facing, and I don't know what hardships. I do know that many of you have many things in your life that you're dealing with. And so this morning, I, I want you to be encouraged that Jesus never said that you have to have so much money in your bank account for him to be there for you. Jesus never said that you have to have all the health, wealth, and prosperity for able, 
uh, for him to be able to come and work and move. Jesus never said that you have to have your, life, your whole life completely right. What Jesus said is that in me, you will have peace. And so this morning as I close, if you don't have peace in your life, if you don't have peace in your life, it might be because the thing that you're centering yourself around is in the world. Let's stand this morning. And just with every heart and eye and head bowed, let's just, let's just begin to pray this morning. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your word because, Lord, your word has so much power and so much truth to it. And God, I am so grateful, Lord, that we don't have to find our peace within anything but you. Lord, I know that our hope is found in you. Our peace is found in you. Because if I was going to go by the standards of the world, I would never make it. But God, we don't go by the standards of what this world sets for us. We go by the things that you speak about within your word. We know that troubles may come. We know that troubles may go. But as soon as one trouble ends, usually it's in preparation for the next one to begin. That's, that's life in this world. But the great thing about, about all of this is, is that you say, huh, when we believe in you, we don't have to adhere to this world. We are strangers and travelers journeying through this world because our world is no longer centered around this place. It's centered around you. My prayer this morning, Lord, for so many of us here today is that we find our peace and our hope and our joy within you today. Father, pray for those that are dealing with situations and troubles and trials. I pray for those dealing with sickness. I pray for those dealing with loneliness. And I pray for those dealing with just the struggles of life. God, will you be able to work and move in only the way that you know how? And so as we leave this place today, I pray this prayer over us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.